Hey guys. Um, as Susan mentioned, uh, we are Brett and Chrissy Billman. We've been hanging out at Watermark for about eight years now and um, have really enjoyed it and have loved it. A little bit about us is that we are actually high school sweethearts. So we've got a picture of us back from 2002. That was 16 years ago. Braces, puka shells, and I had longer hair than she did. So that was a lot of fun. So we've been hanging out together for a long time. Um, and then even more recently, Chris actually got to work here uh, with the re team for about 10 months, which was a lot of fun, and she loved it. We have such a heart for re-engage, um, just this ministry and, and what it's doing and the way it's bringing people closer to Christ is awesome. And then for me, I get to work here as the finance director at Watermark, which is a lot of fun. So also with us, that's, uh, we've got a five-year-old little girl, three-year-old little boy. I'm kind of jumping the gun. In April, there'll be five and three. And then in April, we'll also have another little girl. So getting close to having three kids. <coughs> Everybody has told us that that is the toughest they've had. It was going from two to three. So really encouraging. Thank everyone for that. But like I said, so we, we actually grew up to school together um, from third grade on. We went to a small private school here in Dallas. And then after much pursuit on my part in high school, Chris agreed to go out with me. And then once we graduated from high school, went to Baylor University together. Chris got her degree in child and family studies while I got mine in accounting, which should show you how different we are. We had a relatively volatile relationship while dating. We were both stubborn and hot-headed. This would often lead us to fights that ended with someone storming off. Chris dragged me kicking and screaming to a premarital, premarital class at Watermark a year before we even got engaged. But that class was kind of the first of me beginning to realize what a high call it is to be married to someone. Philippians 2, 3 through 4 just says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Uh, we got married in May of 2010. Circumstances were not ideal for a bride. Um, the weekend before the wedding, I was hospitalized and diagnosed with Crohn's disease. The entire wedding and honeymoon were spent with me being sick with, while Brett took care of me. Um, he did a fantastic job at doing that, um, which led me to looking at him as more of my savior um, and putting him on a pedestal. Brett was in public accounting, and for our first busy season of marriage, we would go days without seeing each other. So after five months of marriage, we joined a foundation group here at Watermark. Uh, this consisted of just six newly married couples meeting each week with a mentor couple, teaching us what it looked like to live in authentic biblical community. It was easy for us to be in that group and just feel like we had it all together. Our mentor couple graciously but boldly exposed some of the ugliness that they were seeing in our hearts, such as pride and self-righteousness. It's possible that we weren't quite as healthy as we thought we were. As we were in full swing of learning what biblical community looked like, I got pregnant at the beginning of January 2012. Eight weeks later, we, re- we found out we had miscarried our first child. Um, this miscarriage started the process of truly confronting who I turned to for my comfort and answers. Um, because I had put Brett on a pedestal, I looked to him to give me comfort answers and to take away the feeling of loss and pain. Um, fast forward six months, I found out I was pregnant again. Much to my surprise, this pregnancy was extremely challenging. I found myself being angry with the Lord for first allowing a miscarriage and then being so sick with this new baby. Thankfully, though, our little girl was born very happy and healthy in April of 2013. 
While I thought that we had all things marriage figured out, this new baby brought a whole set of challenges to our relationship. By this time, I had moved out of public accounting and had been working at a hedge fund for a couple of years. The first few days after bringing home our baby was a complete blur. I barely remember what happened that whole week I was off work. I selflessly sacrificed sleep and tried to be as involved as I possibly could. This is when I began to realize how much I liked my schedule. Before a baby, I could plan my day and time at home to accomplish the goals that I wanted on my own schedule. Now, things would rarely go as planned when I was home. On top of this, I didn't really feel connected to my newborn daughter. She wasn't interactive, and I didn't really know how to handle that. So I began throwing myself more and more into my work. At work, I knew my schedule. I could set my day and achieve the goals I wanted. I was doing well and enjoyed the accolades I received for my achievements. I began to be distant, even the hours I was physically at home. Even though this was, a nat- this was uh, natural for me, I still tried to fight it. I knew that I needed to be strong husband and pre- present at home, but I didn't know how to do that. It was a hard battle that I wasn't used to fighting. It was much easier for me to let my title at work and salary determine my value instead of letting Christ do that. Being a new mom brought a whole set of unexpected struggles. After only being at a new job, re-engaged, for 10 months, I found this, I had decided to stay home with our little girl. While this has been a desire of mine for many years, I found myself missing work, the adult interaction, and feeling like I didn't have any worth being at home to someone that couldn't communicate with me. With hormones and the feeling of not being, or not doing something of any worth, I began to look to Brett to give me value. Brett's job was very taxing, both while he was there and while he was at home. He would get home late most nights, which left me with all the household chores, including what felt like being a single parent to our daughter. The resentment began to build, but I wanted to be what we call a good wife, so I kept it in. If you know me, you know that I don't hide my emotions and feelings very well. Um, It cultivated into what Brett likes to call independent Chris, which no one wants to live with, let alone be married to. Through community and God's word, I was confronted with many truths about selfishness and where I was to find my identity. During this time, my community group guys started noticing how much work was taking over my life. They started asking tough questions and encouraging me to find a way to scale it back. I didn't really want to do this because I was afraid that it might change the things that gave me value. In the midst of these discussions, I was presented with a job opportunity that would greatly increase the flexibility of my schedule and surround me with people that would help me in my pursuit of finding my identity in Christ. The only problem was that I would be taking a pay cut and change my title to a much less desirable one in the world's and my eyes. My initial response was definitely not. What went through my mind was that I had worked too hard and too many hours to take a step back in my career like this. Through the encouragement of people I trust, I did take a step back and tried to truly evaluate this new position. This was the first time that I started seeing and acknowledging how my sinful patterns were negatively affecting my family. It was also the first time that I saw that my view of work and money may not align with what the Bible says about those things. I knew this new job opportunity would change a lot of what was going on at home. While I didn't want to put my hope in the job, I truly believe that the Lord was leading Brett towards something that would do nothing but stretch and bring Lord glory. While our lifestyles would have to change financially, I was willing to take that as long as I had my husband at home and honestly taking steps to better his relationship with the Lord. I told Brett how much I supported his decision no matter what he wanted to do because I knew that nagging him would only make the situation worse. I wanted to let him know I was on his team no matter what. But... I still had a lot to do on work on myself. 
After evaluating the possible job change in light of what, how it would positively affect my family and many other aspects of my life, we decided to make the change. There was nothing magically different about my tendencies of control or withdrawing to work, but I was now more aware of them. I had a fresh start at a new job and was able to take that as a jumping off point for change. Honestly, I thought it would be really easy to just work less at my new job. I mean, I worked at a church, but it wasn't. Um, the temptation to work more and earn the approval of those around me was and is definitely still present. At first, it was difficult for me to see what a huge advantage this new job, this new uh, flexibility was. It didn't take long, though, for that benefit to become clear. Almost exactly three years ago, we were sitting up here telling our story while my wife was 31 weeks pregnant, again, um, with our son. Just three weeks later, we received news that could have easily been a crushing blow. Chris was really sick. We chalked it up to another difficult pregnancy. After being in the hospital for a week and running a bunch of tests, they found out that there was a tennis ball-sized tumor in the back of my wife's brain. We were stunned, to say the least. At first, there was an eight-week plan for delivery of our son and then removal of the tumor. Then things started spinning out of control. The symptoms progressed at such a rapid rate that our son was born through emergency C-section just days later. Five days after that, while still in the hospital, my wife collapsed in my arms and was unconscious. The doctor immediately made the call that we could wait no longer. She needed emergency surgery to remove the tumor. The next few days, there was so much uncertainty. All I could do was wait to see how and if my body's wife would recover from the brain trauma. Through this time of waiting, our family and friends never left our side without people around me constantly reminding me the truth of God's word. I don't know if I would have been able to make it through this difficult time. The biggest challenge for me was missing so much of my new baby in my two-year-old's life. By God's grace, I don't remember the pain and agony I was in for almost two weeks. I do, however, feel like I've missed out on my kids' lives. I didn't get to bring my newborn premature son home from the hospital. I didn't get to walk him through the door to our home for the first time. I have very foggy memories of him meeting his big sister because all of the medications that they had me on and uh, even though the pain still persisted. Um, I did, however, get to see the church be the church, the hands and the feet of the man I say I believe in. This time in my life, the rubber met the road. Was I going to hold secure to the Savior I had put my trust in years ago, or was I going to sit there and cry out, why me? Um, Community played a huge role again through this process. Our group showed up at our house with meals, took the children on more than one occasion to give our parents breaks, organized people to clean our house, mow our yard, and provide us with meals. Most importantly, our community reminded us that the God we serve had not abandoned us, but loved us with a love that was unconditional and never once left our side. They reminded me of truth. My identity is not in being Brett's wife, not in being Landry and Colson's mom, and not in this half-bald woman that couldn't even hold her son when she got home. They reminded me that I'm a beautiful daughter of a king who wept with me and who comforted me in the hardest and darkest of times. Four weeks after being released from the hospital, Chris's headache started coming back. After a couple of checkups with the neurosurgeon, they found out that the glue they had used to close her skull had gotten infected. She would have to go back in for yet another brain surgery. This felt like such a step backwards in so many ways. Chris had just started getting some of her strength back, so to need more surgery and more time in the hospital was really discouraging. What was supposed to be a routine surgery did not go as well as planned. Her brain swelled up and would not allow the fluids to drain properly, which led to a very scary night. 
if her brain was unable to get rid of the fluid naturally, they were gonna have to remove part of her brain to make space. That was not fun news. Thankfully, through meds, her body reacted and was able to drain the fluids. 2015 was really tough year, and we were so thankful to close the books on it. On our Christmas cards that year, we even put, here's to kissing 2015 goodbye. After the year we had, we were ready to be done with hospitals for a while. Unfortunately, God had a different plan. That February, it was Brett's turn for a little bit of a scare. Brett got sick, and we waited for the 24-hour bug to take its course. As the sickness worsened, Brett started complaining of terrible lower back pain. Because he's also type 1 diabetic, I called his endocrinologist to explain the issue. They asked us to come into the hospital to pump him full of fluids. After arriving late Tuesday night, they took blood work and started an IV with the full expectation that he would be released in just a few hours. Once they got his blood results back, they immediately admitted him to the hospital. His kidneys were failing. The, only, uh, the next few days were just a waiting game. His kidneys continued to worsen despite fluids and meds. The doctors had no idea what was happening. Once his levels reached a dangerous high, they put him through dialysis. From there, the doctors explained that this might be his new reality. If his kidneys would not switch back on, he would need to be on dialysis for the foreseeable future. If, uh, again, we were sitting in this same hospital dealing with an unknown future, and again, the people in our lives showed up in a big way. The Lord was showing me yet again that I was to trust him with whatever the outcome would be. Thankfully, that one round of dialysis started Brett's kidneys again, and he quickly turned the corner. The common theme throughout our story has been community. Our marriage has always been relatively steady. No, things haven't been perfect, but God has protected us from being in much worse places. In the good times and bad, these friends have always been there. They've sat with us in living rooms and in hospital rooms. We've faced many uncertainties through medical challenges, but one constant is that these people have always been there to walk through it with us. They remind us of truth when we are tempted to believe the lies of this world. Two verses that reminded of this need are Romans twelve fifteen, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn, and then Hebrews three thirteen, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. If you don't have anyone in your life that knows what you are struggling with on a daily basis, that is one of the first steps. Get people around you that can spur you on towards Christ, who surround you in hard times with encouragement and admonishment, and who rejoice with you in times of victory.